We did receiver tiers. Now we dig into the pass rushers as the Packers look to replace some of the production that they lost when Zadarius Smith left for Minnesota. Plus, Pro Football Focus's Mike Renner joins us to talk Packers, draft strategies, receivers, and a whole lot more. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Really Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Touchdown! You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at Blue Nile. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked on Packers listeners get $50 off anything 500 or more. Use promo code Locked On at checkout. And of course, thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen every day. Mike Renner going to be on the show Today, from Pro Football Focus, also someone who happens to have a rooting interest in a team that shares the name uh, with this podcast. So uh, he has, I think, tremendous perspective. He is in charge of the Pro Football Focus big board, the drafts guide, all of that stuff. So we can get into a lot of different things with him, and we will do that in just a second. We did our receiver tiers earlier in the week. Go back and listen to that episode if you missed it. For those of you who did not listen to our show when we talked about the edge rushers and my feelings about them and my feelings about this class, and I've brought it up a number of times where I think this class is strong, weak, etc. I am not as high on this pass rushing class as some other people are. I don't see four or five guys worth top 20 picks. I see two guys. Two guys. And the other guy who looked like he was going to go in the range where Green Bay could pick him, someone like Jermaine Johnson, he has performed too well in the offseason program, senior bowl testing. He's going to go 15 spots too high for Green Bay, maybe 10. Trevon Walker, someone who looked like he was going to be in Packers range. Not really productive in college, played some five techs and three tech, didn't really do what he's going to be expected to do in the NFL. Now he's the dark horse number one pick, which is just absolutely insane, crazy cuckoo bananas. And he should have to give royalties to Rashawn Gary for setting the stage for someone with supreme physical gifts who played sort of out of position for what we think he's going to do in the NFL or what you would want him to do in the NFL and is now going to get that absolute bag. When I look at this draft, though, could someone like George Karloftis fall to Green Bay? Yeah, I think he could. I think Green Bay could have some interest there. I don't think it is a perfect fit. It's not perfect value to me, but I think it could make some sense. Beyond that, though, I think the value of these pass rushers is on day two, and not everyone can go in day one. That's the thing that I that I <laughs> I've made this joke before, but only 32 players can go in the first round. 
So some of these guys are not going to go. And and I continue to try and tell people there are going to be more offensive line picked than you think. There are going to be more defensive linemen picked than you think. It's not just going to be Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt. Travis Jones is going to go in the first round. Some of these other interior defenders, like I wouldn't be surprised at all if DeMarvin Leal went in the first round. Logan Hall, Perrion Winfrey. Big guys are valued because there are so few of them. That's good news for Green Bay in a way because they have a lot of good big big guys. They have two excellent outside pass rushers. They've got one of the best interior pass rushers in the league, the best pass rushing nose tackle in football, Kenny Clark. And they just signed a guy who can give you some juice on the interior in Jerron Reed. There are some spots, sure, that they could get some other guys. But day two is where that value is. Here's the, here's the thing. We've talked a lot about historical hit rates and where usually uh, you can find players at different positions. I think we also need to look at team history. So for the Packers, traditionally, where do they value these guys? They usually see the value at receiver on day two, which is why they have rarely gone in the first round at receiver. It's not that they don't value the position. They just see the value, the excess value on day two, and they've been great doing that. In the last 20 years, go back to the Javon Walker draft. In the last 20 years, the Packers have drafted an outside pass rusher, an edge rusher, once on day two. Once in the second or third round. One time, Kyler Fackrell. Now, they've taken some guys in the first. You think of Dayton Jones, who he was a five tech, but they ended up playing him at outside linebacker. But he was meant to be an outside pass rusher, even though we can quibble over whether or not he was an edge. But that's a first round pick. Clay Matthews, they traded up in the first round for Nick Perry, first round pick. Rashawn Gary, first round pick. Or they've waited until day three. And that's true of some interior guys, too. You can think of the Kenny Clarks and the BJ Rajis and the Justin Harrells, guys that were supposed to be fixture interior players. But then the guys who were meant to play a role, the pass rushers, Dean Lowry, Kingsley Kiki, guys like that, they came fourth round, fifth round, TJ Slayton. And I think that that is, frankly, the smart way to build your team. Outside pass rushers are premium position players, first round. It's a little bit like a quarterback. If you don't think, that they can be top line pass rushers, they're kind of replaceable. Like you can find a a Jonathan Garvin level pass rusher on the open market and sign him and, and pay him some money. Or you could draft him in the fourth or fifth round. But those guys, rotational edge three, edge four, those guys are replaceable. Now, I think the Packers look at edge this year and say, okay, well, in two years, Rashawn Gary is going to be really expensive and Preston Smith might not be on the team. And so you're planning for the future by drafting an edge in that way. Plus, you can never have too many outside pass rushers. I think that saying, well, these second and third round guys, they're flawed players and they're most likely to cash out in that replaceable or slightly above range probably probably so if i'm the packers 
I'm looking at my rankings and I have a lot. Of, there are some guys in the, in the 40s, 50s. Someone like if Karloftis were to fall to 53, DeMarvin Leal, Nick Benito, Kingsley Enigbare, you replace one Kingsley with another. Those are guys in that range that I like a lot, that I like a lot in that spot. I think that's getting that's giving you good value. At 22, I don't know. At 28, I don't I don't like that. That's why you've seen in a lot of my mocks that I'm going receiver safety in the first or Travis Jones and receiver or you know trying to trying to stick George Karloftis in that spot because I think that could happen but not because I think it's the right value. If I'm the Packers, what I want to do is I want to maximize my value. And so I don't think unless they they see someone who is a first round talent and I would understand if they if they saw someone like George Karloftis or in the unlikely event one of these guys fell you know, let's say a Jermaine Johnson starts to fall down draft boards a little bit something like that if he makes it to 16 17 and all of a sudden you only have to give up you know a a, a 92 to move up and draft him okay I could understand why they would want to do that wouldn't be what I would do because I don't love Jermaine Johnson but not not certainly not at like 15 16 but I would understand the idea move up for that premium edge rusher and if you don't get that guy in the first wait just wait now because they have that mid 50s pick and there are a couple guys there I can see it I can see it but I I don't love past that some of the value that's going to be there some of the some of the I think reaches that they would have to make or some of the hoping that they would have to do to get the right guy. So I think this is a first round or bust sort of thing, or at least let me slightly amend that and say 22, 28, 53. 59 is not that different. But I, I don't think they need to be pushing it to try and get one of these guys because next year, guess what? You're going to have another first round pick and you can take a pass rusher, a premium player. And next year, it might be the only position you really need to address if you make these picks count right now. All right, we're going to get to our friend Mike Renner in just a second. Before we do, let's talk about a new sponsor on the podcast. It is BlueNile.com. They're a new sponsor, but an old sponsor. They have been sponsors in the past. They are back just in time for Mother's Day. And it is always an, an easy go-to because it's a crowd pleaser. Jewelry has been a go-to gift for my mom. For as long as I've been giving gifts to my mom, going back to when I was in elementary school and I would get her pumpkin earrings and ghost earrings because my mom had a birthday around Halloween. I like to think I've upped my game a little bit, and that's what Blue Nile lets you do. We're talking about fine jewelry. We're talking about diamond jewelry, tennis bracelets, gold layering, the bangles, not the bangles, the bangles that... For example, my mom and my wife wear basically every day. That's what Blue Nile can give you. This is high quality, luxury items. And you can sit on the website and shop with ease. This is, this is the Mother's Day to give her something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked on Packers listeners, you'll get $50 off any purchase of $500 or more. 
This podcast is giving you that exclusive through Mother's Day. So use the code locked on. That's code locked on. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to bluenile.com today. And I want to thank everyone who makes Locked On Packers part of their first listen every day. We have a draft show coming. Our draft show is going to be April 28th, Thursday. When the draft kicks off, we will be there, 7 Eastern, ready to get you set for the first round. The Packers have two picks in the first round. Maybe they have fewer. Who knows? Uh, the 29th, that Friday, 6.30 Eastern, we will be there on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast feed April 30th at 1130, getting you ready for everything you need NFL draft and during the picks. If there's picks being made, Locked on Packers will be bringing, excuse me, your host of Locked on Packers will be bringing you everything that you need. And then, of course, Locked on Packers afterward will debrief you on all of the big points that you need to know about the Packers draft picks. Joining me now from Pro Football Focus, you may have seen him on Good Morning Football recently. Mike Renner is back with us. Mike, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic. And like I said before we got on here, I just want the draft to get here, man. I am <laughs> hyped for next Thursday. I am, I am very excited as well. Uh, I, I do like do you do you feel like ever the, the hype matches the reality for you? Like I, I go in so excited and then it gets here and then ultimately it's just sort of like, yeah, OK, that happened. Not just with the Packers, just in general. I think it does. I mean, I love the first round. That Thursday night, to me, I I can't fall asleep afterwards. I usually get around four or five hours of sleep because it's like 3 or 4 a.m. and I'm still like playing out all the scenarios. So I I think it always does for me to a degree. But then by day three, like after the actual entire draft is done, I am ready for it to be done. That, that That Sunday is always a nice little rest. So the new uh, PFF big board just came out as we're recording this. Oh, yeah. um, and so as you're putting that together, was were you surprised by any of the guys where you had them, whether it was higher than you thought going into the process or big board 1.0 or lower? Like, what was there anything that you were like, oh, yeah, that that's actually kind of weird. Not what I would have expected here. I really when I was putting it together, I think the corner black cornerback class really stuck out to me. Like I feel really good about the top of this cornerback class. And then it kind of, there's a cliff somewhere after the first round where I really don't feel good about the cornerback class. So obviously that's not something that's going to register on the Packers radar, but that was one position that really stuck out to me. And then the other thing that stuck out was just trying to get guys into the top 10. I, I don't see a lot of top five to 10 players in this class that you would say are top you know, five to 10 players in other years. And obviously that has a lot to do with the quarterback position, Uh, you know, none coming off the board on the PFF board until like the twenties, but also just other positions don't really have blue chip type of players. The positions that do have blue chip type of players are the low value ones, center safety. After that, I I don't think there are really, you know, the generational prospects at a lot of positions this year. Although you, and I was very happy to see it, have been you've been preaching the gospel of Aiden Hutchinson a little bit because he has he has turned into a consolation prize. And I have been on this too. I don't understand why he is being touted as this like consolation prize. He's he's really, really, really good. 
Yes. Uh, to me, it's not even a discussion at number one. Uh, no. There is no debate. He is not only really good already on a football field, he is really athletic. Like in yeah. the annals of NFL history, his six seven three three cone is an all-timer. I mean, for a guy that big to move the way he does. Six seven. <laughs> And that's what like that, like if you want any drill, if we've seen over the course of, you know, NFL history, one drill for you to be a lead at, it is the three count. And especially if you're already productive, because that is quite literally turning around a corner, which is what you do as an edge rusher. So for him to be an all time athlete turning around a corner for a defensive end that's already productive, like I think we're over, you'd be overthinking it wholesale to go anywhere else. Um and because it's a valuable position, he's a productive player. I, I think he has a year one, uh, like that's comes in as a quality starter already, which is hard to say for a lot of positions in this draft. You mentioned the cliff. I'm interested in this at receiver for the Packers purposes, right? Because you want to find that sweet spot of like, okay, ideally you'd probably like to have two before that cliff falls. So for you, let's just start here. Where is that cliff? Oof, that's that's good. I think I think it's after someone like. George Pickens, Traylon Burks. I, I kind of have obviously a different ranking of this wide receiver class, mm-hmm. but for me, it goes Jamison Williams, Alabama wide receiver, um, Drake London, USC, Garrett Wills from Ohio State, Chris Olave from Ohio State, um, Sky Moore from Western Michigan, George Pickens from Georgia, then Traylon Burks from Arkansas. And then that to me is kind of the cliff there. That, then it's like, there's a drop off. I think the next wide receiver on the PFF board is Jalen Tolbert at eight. Hopefully I'm not missing one there in that conversation, but that's, that's where I see the cliff, like the Jahan Dotson hype that's come in here and he get, he's getting mocked to the Packers. Cause obviously just people are throwing any old wide receiver. They're not drafting a wide receiver. That's small. Mm-mm. Yeah. And, and I don't, uh, frankly, I don't think he's a first round player, but that's, yeah. that's irrespective of what the Packers are going to do there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and yeah, I, I'm fine living on not first round Jahan Dotson Island because I just, I, 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 just, I don't get it. Um, Jalen Tolbert is a really interesting player because he has not gotten a lot of pre-draft hype, went to South Alabama, but you watch him even against the, the better teams that he went against, like Tennessee had no, had no answer for him. And that's an SEC school. I understand Tennessee, not a very good defense. Uh, I think they were like in the two hundreds in passing yards allowed last year, but that that's really encouraging for a small school guy to go in and still dominate when he's the only guy you have to cover and they still couldn't do it. What do you see with Jalen Tolbert? Yeah, the, the one big knock or the one worry that I have, why I kind of put him in the next year's age. He's 23, yeah. late breakout, didn't break out until his redshirt junior year. Obviously, his redshirt senior year was fantastic. But again, older going up against younger guys, you always worry about that to a degree. But I mean, if you just take his tape at its face value, it's damn good. And it's definitely something in the Packers range of wide receivers that they like in terms of size, speed. I mean, he had a sub one five ten split. I... 44940 doesn't really jump out at you, but one of the best 10 splits in this receiver class, even still. So he's explosive off the line, great at the catch point. Like to me, he's close to that top. Like I said, he's the next on that list. He's wide receiver eight on the PFF draft board. But I still do think that level of competition and age is always going to worry you for prospects like that. This is an older class. And this is something that I think so teams are going to have to figure this out because of the COVID year. 
There were opt-outs. Guys got an extra year. And so you've got someone like uh, Devontae Wyatt, who's 24. Bayless Jones Jr. is going to be 25 as a rookie. Uh, and, and so how do you, how do you try and put that into context? Because I think age is always a part of your evaluation process, right? But, but when everyone, when the whole class is kind of old, last year was kind of young. Do you change at all the way that you think about age? I don't think you should change. I don't think that you should change the way you think about age. You still have to compare apples to apples. And so, you want to then, you know, if a guy is 24, like Devontae Wyatt, well, what did he look like when he was 22? You know, when he was the age of other guys in this class. And to me, Devontae Wyatt was still fairly productive, actually, for Georgia, even earlier on in his career. Still looked good and obviously is a freak athlete to a degree that's like, okay, we can, you know, at some point there, uh, you know, when you're that tier of athleticism, age stops being as big a deal. But when a guy is just a good athlete and it didn't really like to switch in flip on to later his career. And, and that's a lot of this offensive line class, truthfully, yeah. that I do worry about, especially a lot of the interior guys where it's like they were legitimately men among boys at the collegiate level. And for a position where physicality means so much, that's not going to be the case in the NFL. So I do worry about a lot of the offensive line in the class, but again, it, it's still a case by case basis that you want to go back and see then how were they when they were, you know, the age that you're comparing them to other guys in this class. That makes someone like George Pickens an interesting case study, right? Because he comes in in the SEC at 18, 19 and looks like he belongs athletically. And then we just don't see the production match the tools. I mean, we're talking about a five-star uh, prospect coming out of high school. He's, he's a, you know, a, a blue chip recruit. So I like him. It sounds like you like him a lot as well. So how do you how do you balance that that he's got the tools he had that age but then didn't match it and is coming off this injury after which he came back early all of that stuff yeah the the injury throws a wrench into it and the sophomore tape being I don't want to say bad it wasn't bad by any means just lackluster compared to what he did as a freshman and again some of that's the quarterback position at Georgia obviously not being great <laughs> quarterback but I, I I still lean towards you know guys producing earlier, like guys looking like that earlier speaks to innate talent development still happens. Even if it's not a complete linear projection, when guys have that talent at that age, they still develop at some rate over the course of their career. And obviously some of that then comes back to personality and finding out who they are and what kind of work ethic they have. If like the developments literally because they're not lack of developments, because they're not putting in the work or lack of developments, just because situation and other stuff going on, you have to discern that. And that to me is why, you know, Derek Stingley's number two on the PFF draft boards, because I think his lack of development or lack of production the last two years was not necessarily uh, only his fault. There were other factors like LSU's entire team not producing that went into that. So I, I do think George Pickens, to me, if there were like any wide receiver I would give to the Green Bay Packers right now that I think is likely to them, it's probably him. I I'm so glad you said that because that was a question I was going to ask you. I, I think you're right. I think in terms of Packers types, first round guys, I mean, if someone like Olave falls, the, the fit is intuitive, but he's also a little smaller than they normally like Pickens checks a lot of those boxes that they normally like. I can absolutely see him doing that. One name that has, has come up a lot around the Packers that you and PFF generally not as high on is Christian Watson. And it's interesting because going into the combine, if you'd have had Christian Watson at 53 or 59 to the Packers, everyone would go like, Oh, that's interesting. And now it's like, well, there's no way he's going to get there. And it does seem unlikely that he will, in fact, fall all the way to 53 after the way that he tested. 
what did you not see that you wanted to see from his tape? Because we know measurables, the athleticism, that stuff is all there. The two biggest things are, are just one, obviously level of competition is something he like didn't need to do, which was, you know, really set up his routes and set up his downfield stuff. Like he is one speed. He could just run by guys post route. He didn't have to sell that. He could just, you know, put his foot in the ground and run by you. And that's not to say that he can't. That's something that probably is somewhat easier thing to develop. It's not a death knell by any means of the next level. But for a guy, you know, who's already, I think he's on the older side coming out. Yep. He's obviously a senior coming out. 23. It's like, you know, you would like to have seen him develop as a route runner a little bit more once you're that age. Like someone like a Jalen Tolbert does already coming out of South Alabama, I'll say. So and the other thing I worry about is ball skills. Like he's been... He has a drop rate of 12.7% for his career. And yeah. every single year, it's been an issue with drops. And not just like, not just, you know, oh, drop, concentration drop here and there. Like actually the way he attacks the ball, I, I have worries about. And that also shows up, showed up for me at the senior bowl when having to like contested situations. So he would let DBs to the ball before him there at the senior bowl on his tape at North Dakota State. And so for a guy who's like 6'4", 208, like, looks like this physical monster really that wasn't his game he played more like a marquez valdez scantling at that yeah. size than a you know uh the sort of what you think of when you think of a guy who runs a four three six at that size that would be like a uh you know calvin johnson your goes to your head he's not that whatsoever to me he's more of the pure speedster downfield guy there the the connections between those two players are so obvious in the way that they play i mean both guys are six four and play like they're they really, that's feet. like the comp for him in the NFL. If you really had to have one. And, and I, I, I think there's upside there with the athletic traits and his, he's got, I think he's got more talent with the ball in his hands than, than MBS ever did. But I think, I think too, when you're that fast and you're that big, there's a floor of just like, he can be, if he can be MBS, that's a valuable player. Now that's probably not a first round player. Like that's the difference. And that's mm -hmm. what we're trying to parse here is floor versus ceiling. And then likeliness to reach that ceiling. Let's talk about. Uh, edge rushers because that's uh, supposed to be a, a deep part of this year's class. The Packers could be in the market for one of them. We think that there's going to be a lot go off the board early. Guys like Trevon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, Jermaine Johnson. And then after that, there's some questions about the, the next group of guys. To you, who is that next tier? And is there someone that you think if they're there at 22 or they're there at 28, they make some sense for Green Bay? I could see them. So the next tier for me is guys like uh, Arnold Abichetti from Penn State, um, Nick Benito from Oklahoma, Boye Mafe from uh, Minnesota, and yep. I would even throw Josh Pascal from Kentucky, even though he's kind of his own unique type of edge defender and that he, he's just a little different from the other guys and how he's going to rush. I, I would have had David Ajabo kind of at the top of that tier. But then obviously the Achilles, I just, I think he's going to fall mightily. Um, so uh, those guys also Drake Jackson, music. So that's kind of the next tier of guys to me, either first rounder is a little rich for any of them. The one guy I would probably like, I could still see the Packers taking is Arnold Ebiketti, but doesn't necessarily fit their age profile that they like at that position. So right. maybe not like all those guys that I am mentioning only Drake Jackson's young. So he would be the only one that really, but he's, I mean, he has like, is not a super physical edge was not, you know, ran really hot and cold this past year at USC. So all those guys are more like if they fall to the middle of the second round with one of the Packers picks, then I could see them pulling the trigger. But 
in the first round, I, I, I would think they'd lean even this DT class before they would go one of those edge rushers. Now you're speaking my language because Travis Jones, that's my guy. I, I think that guy is really, really good. Um, we don't, we don't have my listeners do not need to hear me or you <laughs> or anyone say, say any more words about him because I've said enough. So let me, let me get out of here on this. Um, I will be at some point in the next couple of days putting together what I think is sort of the perfect Packers draft. <laughs> if you're going to put together, you know, combined likelihood, like, okay, Drake Jackson, probably not going to be there at 22 or, or sorry, Drake London. And, you know, Aiden Hutchinson is not going to fall that kind of stuff. First four, 22, 28, 53, 59 player like a, fit. Yeah. Need. Realistic. Like what they would do sort of thing. I, I've come around or not come around the guy I keep highlighting for them. Cause I know they trenches is probably where they're going to go first with one of those first round picks with a D line O line. I think Tyler Smith, the Tulsa offensive lineman mm. would be someone that they'd be really high on, you know, tests out exceptionally athletically for like, even though he's a little bigger than what they usually go for definitely developmental sort of offensive line, but only just turned 21. So ticks kind of all those boxes that they like to see him possibly in the first round. George Pickens. So that would be 22. George Pickens at 28. We've already gone over that. And then once you get into the second round, I'm sorry, is Tyler Smith playing guard or tackle for green Bay or doesn't matter starting at guard okay. tackle, the future sort of thing. Like I think Elton Jenkins, your right tackle next year, David Bakhtiari left tackle, but just like you got a guy to develop in that offensive sure. line. And then 53, 59, I think, I think Jalen Tolbert with one of those two picks. So I, I guess Love I'll it. go Tolbert with 53. And then from there, like they've hit pretty much every sort of need already. I could even see them dipping a toe into this tight end class. Yeah. Uh, someone like if Trey McBride or Greg Dolchich is on the board, I could see them double dip in there to really try to, you know, make A-Rod happy for trading this guy away. <laughs> well, and then the, the, the thing about the tight ends is there's that's where that run is going to start happening probably, right? And so you got Jeremy Ruckert, you've got Kate Otten. I mean, all these guys could come off the board between 50 and 100. There could be six tight ends that go in that range. It's going to be pick your flavor probably, right? Yeah. And I think they just, some speed would be nice at that position. Obviously, Tanya coming back from the ACL, but like, I, I think McBride to me would be, if they can get him at 59, would be someone that they'd be interested in. Hey, look, uh, if you, if you had Pickens, Tolbert and McBride to this offense, I think you'd probably feel pretty good about it. Uh, even if, even if those guys are probably not going to be superstars right away, long-term, you probably feel pretty good about it. Mike, this was awesome, man. Uh, Hopefully you, you get some rest starting uh, in about 10 days. Uh, do you have anything else that you're working on between now and next week? Nothing big. Just the PFF draft guide is out. If you want to go get that, it's at pff.com, 200 go player profiles. And so all that stuff that, uh, you know, stats and grades can't find anywhere else. That's really all I got going on though. Just probably doing a hundred more of these hits is, <laughs> is my, uh, is my life between now and then. That's why I'm just saying, let me get to this draft. Let me talk about something else other than these guys. Let me talk about the fits. Exactly. I love it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait, Mike. Thanks for doing this. For sure, Peter. Take it easy. All right. Thanks to Mike Renner for joining the show. Always great to talk with Mike. He's been on the show a couple of times, was just on around the Super Bowl, and we got a chance to talk to him, uh, I believe, that was before Devontae Adams was traded. So that interview is going to sound very different now than it did then because the needs have changed. The team has fundamentally changed and the opportunities for this team to impact the roster, given the new draft capital, has also changed. 
Today's episode brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It is the best tasting protein bar ever, but they don't sacrifice on the health piece of it. This is still something that you can feel good about fueling your body with because it's low in net carbs, low in calories, low in sugar, but high in protein and high in fiber. The macros check out and so do the flavors. My goodness. They keep coming up with the new flavors. They have protein-infused marshmallow puff bars. Yes, you read that right. You heard me right. Protein-infused marshmallow. I didn't believe it at first, and then I had them, and they are the real deal. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKS15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off at Built.com. And thanks to make thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. Now go make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available on all platforms. We have more to come this week. A special guest um, that I'm not going to spoil, but it's it's very exciting. Um, and they may, in fact, the, the, one of those people, um, who, who is supposed to come on the show may in fact have been mentioned on this podcast. I, I said a lot of names on this podcast, current Packers, former Packers, potential future Packers. Who could it be? Could it be one of those people? I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Mike Renner was already on the show. It's not Eric Crocker or Ryan Tracy. Yet. I'm going to talk to them plenty next week. So just something to keep an eye on. Uh, and just also something for me to flag for you before we get out of here. Adam Schefter said something very interesting. He said, Debo Samuel right now feels like it's time to move on. It's that he's not interested in signing long-term with the 49ers. And the 49ers want to sign him. But he's not interested. Now, that could be 49ers talking points. But Schefter has also been very friendly to agents over the years. So this could also be some negotiating in the media. Debo Samuel saying, I'm out, trade me, without saying trade me. I'm out, I'm done with San Francisco, much like the Aaron Rodgers leverage play uh, in the, the draft last year. So something to keep an eye on. I don't think San Francisco would trade Debo to Green Bay, but you know if they trade him to Houston or they trade him to New England, that has pretty serious ramifications for the Packers in the NFC. Just something to keep an eye on. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775. This day, Locked on Packers.